Welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast, where you can listen in on some casual conversation about the good news of Jesus without all of the inconsistent religious double talk. If you've ever struggled with feelings of hopelessness, guilt, and despair, or wondered if you're really right with God, it's time to discover the true freedom that comes with the gospel of unlimited and overflowing grace. Hi there once again for the Growing in Grace podcast, Mike Kapler. My name, Joel Brzezinski is his name. We're glad you're with us, growingingrace.org. If you are looking, and we've heard from somebody again recently, Joel, who said they're listening through all 800 and some podcasts. Mm -hmm. If you want to get caught up with us on your walk or, or whatever, then look for all of those programs. They are still all there from number one. So you can grow with us through the years, uh, over the past 17 years or so. And it will take you Um, roughly over a week. I think I've talked about this before, but if you add up all the podcasts and listen to them back to back to back to back to back, you can listen for a straight week. (laughs) Without sleeping. Without sleeping. And without stopping your walk that you're on when you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) Growingingrace.org. And of course, uh, a lot of people are listening through a whole bunch of different podcast uh, outlets that are available now too. So just wanted to throw that out there though, if you're a new listener and you're just hungry for more of the gospel, keep eating what we're throwing out there. We're just throwing out a few crumbs really, but keep eating them and and you'll find that your hunger will go away. Um, You'll still have a desire to want to taste the gospel, but you just won't be hungry. (laughs) (laughs) As Jesus said, (laughs) you won't even be thirsty. Hunger and thirst. No no matter how long you've been walking. Yes. So Hey, uh, Joel, let's 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 dive into it here, picking up on where we left off last week as we we talk about the the power of the cross, the blood of Jesus, what it accomplished, especially in regards to our forgiveness, the taking away of sins, and how it's different from the previous covenant that the Jewish people were under. We often refer to it as the old covenant. Paul did that, by the way, at least one time in, in the book of Corinthians. So we have the first covenant and a second covenant that was enacted and ratified after the death and resurrection of, of Jesus. And and that new covenant replaced the old one. So there wasn't a merging. It wasn't uh, an addendum. It wasn't like an amendment. It was a brand new thing. Uh, and it replaced the old one. And as you pointed out last week, I believe in Hebrews chapter 7, Jesus became the guarantee of a, a better covenant. This, by the way, is is how I came up with the subtitle for the, for my book, Joel. The, the mm-hmm. Clash of the Covenants: Escaping Religious Bondage Through the Grace Guarantee. Well, Jesus is that guarantee. He is that covenant. He is grace personified. But the old way, the law made nothing perfect under that first covenant. It was weak. It was unprofitable. One translation said it was weak and useless. And it made nothing perfect. So what was the problem with that? The law required perfection, and yet it couldn't bring perfection, and nobody could attain perfection from it. And that's why there had to be something different that would take its place. And so this this is kind of where we left off with last week, and I'm just trying to launch us off the diving board uh, here uh, this week uh, as we get rolling here and, and get into some of the stuff that the writer of Hebrews is explaining to Jewish people who had been under that first covenant, under that law, and were transitioning now 
into something new and different, new and better. And we, looking back on all of this, have so much to learn from it and so much to gain from it. So don't get under the assumption that, well, this was just for the Jewish people. No, we, we can see the roadmap here and see how it applies to us today, even as Gentiles. Right, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. That a lot, you know, Some people do say, well, Hebrews was written to the Hebrews, the Jewish people, so it's not for us. But it explains so much of this sacrifice of Jesus and how Jesus offered himself for the sins of the entire world, not just for the Hebrew people, not just for the Jews. And this epistle brings out so much of this stuff. And it really is rich, again, as I say a lot of times, it's really rich with all with a lot of talk and a lot of understanding regarding all that Jesus has accomplished for us. And that's why another reason why I wanted to really bring out the difference between the two covenants and why that has so much to do with our forgiveness. Under the Old Covenant, uh, you were reading from Hebrews 7.22, Jesus has become surety or guarantee of a better covenant. And the next verse, and there were, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, as he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Under the old, you had priests who died. So you had to have priest after priest after priest fulfilling the role that the priest fulfilled, offering the animal sacrifices and uh, fulfilling all the priestly roles. But Jesus continues forever with, with an unchangeable priesthood. And so here's the thing. Your salvation, your forgiveness is good as long as Jesus continues on. Okay, as long as Jesus lives, your forgiveness and your salvation is good. So how long is Jesus going to live? He's going to live forever. It says here he continues forever. We know that Jesus was with the Father in the beginning. He became one of us for a short period of time, a third of a century, but he continues forever, and he has this unchangeable priesthood. So under the old covenant priests, uh, it says that they had to um, stand daily. They had to stand doing this. Jesus, when he had offered himself, he sat down because the work was done. The work that was provided, the, the work that was necessary for your forgiveness, for your salvation, for you to have eternal life was done. So Jesus sat down. He rested from his work. These priests had to do it over and over and over and over again. Jesus shed his blood one time for as a sacrifice for your sins. Is And that's enough. That, that's the thing I was going to ask. Is that not enough? Um, really, sometimes if we doubt our salvation, if we doubt the forgiveness, we do need to ask ourselves, was the blood of Jesus not enough then? What else can, what can we do? Is my change of behavior going to do something to add to what Jesus has done? Or is my, is my lack of change of behavior going, or my behavior even getting worse? Is that going to do something to take away from what the blood of Jesus has done? It says that we have this surety, this guarantee of a better covenant. I talked about God's oath, and it was based upon his oath. God who cannot lie. Is that not enough for us to realize and understand that what we have is a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a sure and steadfast hope? I mean, that's, that's what we have in Christ. The first covenant had fault. 
Hebrews 8 and 7 says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second, because finding fault with them. Again, God found fault with the people. So the Old Covenant, forgiveness under the Old Covenant, salvation under the Old Covenant. Unfortunately, God found fault with the people. But, he says, for that reason, a new covenant is going to be coming about, and that covenant is not based upon the people. It's not based upon you and me. It's not based upon what we do, how we feel, how sorrowful we are, uh, how well we're able to change. Change is good. You know, turning uh, from sin is good. Turning from ungodly behavior, that's good. But it doesn't save us. It doesn't keep us from being saved when we fail to do that. It's just that the blood of Jesus is the only thing through which we have forgiveness and salvation. Well, speaking of change, you know, as, as we're in Hebrews 7 here, going backwards just a little bit around verse 12, uh, when there is a change in the priesthood, which actually did take place when, when Jesus came along, when there's a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. That word change in the original language it doesn't just mean, as I mentioned before, it doesn't just mean an, an alteration or an, an amendment, a transition of some sort to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not that. It was something that came to an end and something new completely took its place. And Paul, or I, I, I said Paul, but really we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. It could have been somebody who hung out with Paul, somebody like you know Barnabas or somebody like that, but that, that's not the point here. But the writer of Hebrews then says, he makes a point here that's easy for people to skip over, easy for church people to skip over if some of this stuff hasn't been explained to them before. And he says, the one to whom these things are, are spoken of, meaning Jesus, he belonged to another tribe. In other words, the priesthood was all based upon the Levitical priestly tribe that came from the tribe of the Levites. That's what the law required. Jesus didn't come from the tribe of the Levites, you see. He came from a different one, the tribe of Judah. And so the writer's point here is, since he came from the tribe of Judah, which, according to Moses, spoke nothing concerning the priesthood, and then he says it's far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life. So, in other words, Jesus would not be uh, an authentic or legitimate high priest if the law and the first covenant were to remain in place. There is not one commandment from the stone tablet ministry that is still in place. Now, the legalistic mindset will assume that we're suggesting that people can just ignore all the commandments and go out and sin as much as you want. Well, those are people who just don't understand what we're trying to communicate. I'm not going to get hung up on that branch on the tree here right now. But the point here is there was a change of law. There was a change of priesthood. It was all new. And Jesus became that high priest. And as you were pointing out, Joel, it's, it's interesting that the priests under the first covenant, they not only had to offer up the sacrifices of animal blood for the people, but for their own sins hmm. as well. Whereas Jesus just simply offered up himself because he had no sin to offer up for himself. Uh, so the law, now get this now, the law appoints as high priests men who have weakness. But the word of the oath or the promise that we've been talking about it came after the law. Repeat after me. It came when? After the law. 
and appointed the son who has been perfected forever. I'll let you wrap things up here, Joel. Mm, Yeah. It's just such solid stuff here. Things that we can count on. I can't, I know I can't count on myself to change enough, to be sorry enough. Uh, You know, going back to this thing about being sorry for our sins. I mean, what about sins that you've done that you you don't even know about? What if you're not sorry for those? Then can you be forgiven for those? Well, see, there's all kinds of things you have to wonder about if God's forgiveness is based upon us, if it's based upon what we do, what we feel, what we think, and all of these things, how we change or don't change, if it's based on any of that. Here, we find that all of this is based upon something that is very, very solid. We are not sure and steadfast. We are not solid and always secure. But everything that God has done is solid and secure, sure and steadfast. That's why our forgiveness is based upon that. In the Old Covenant, God found fault with the people. In the New Covenant, this is what God says. Hebrews eight twelve. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. That implies there's still going to be sins and lawless deeds, but he's going to remember them no more. I mean, it's not that they're going to suddenly stop committing sins and lawless deeds because no human has ever stopped sinning. But their sins and the lawless deeds I will remember no more. So if he, God, is remembering our sins and lawless deeds no more, why are we remembering our sins and lawless deeds and, and even bringing them up to him? He says he's going to remember them no more. So we bring them up to him and he's like, uh, I don't remember those. So remember that. God doesn't remember your sins. Plenty more to talk about as we uh, continue our discussion on this uh, solid and steadfast forgiveness that we have through Christ. Coming up on Growing in Grace. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. Access past programs by visiting growingingrace.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.